You are now listening to A Hair Life, a podcast that's going to show you a side of the beauty industry that you've never seen or heard before. We capture priceless moments and interviews with your favorite celebrity hairstylists, and we discuss topics ranging from business to everyday black women hair struggles. This is A Hair Life. So, um, I tried to do my research on everybody. I read an article uh, saying something about you work at Bank of America, mm-hmm. right? I also used to work at Wells Fargo, right? Okay. So I come from a bank, banking background as well. So I know, like, for me, it was cool. You meet different people, but it also had a lot of downtime. So what was your experience, like, at the bank? Or what's the worst job you have had if that's not it? Um, I don't think I ever had a job that I would say is the worst job, but I believe that it became stressful for me um, because I couldn't thrive there. Even though I was making a company thrive, me personally, I wasn't thriving. So that was kind of like stressful for me because I felt like a caged bird. Um, and it's only limited um, what they will allow you to do um, in, cor- in corporate America because everything is, you have to be fit in certain criteria. Um, so it was very stressful. Stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have sales goals or? We did. We actually had incentives in a department I in, was in. I was in collections. And the crazy thing was, is when I first started out, I started out like in 30 day, but I crushed it because um, my personality is I get like right to the point. So, <laughs> you know, while everybody else is calling people like, hey, how you doing? I would just call them and get straight to the point. Um, Cause usually when people are on the phone, you know, they just want to know what you want if you don't know them. So I just yeah. used to get straight to the point. So I collected a lot of money. So when they started seeing that I was succeeding the goals that they had for everybody and they was paying me so much, they kind of pulled me to the side and they offered me something like where, you know, they would give me um, my own type of incentive um, situation. And I kind of traveled. I didn't have to stay like 30, 60, 90, like some people did. I was kind of like on a situation where I, um, I did all the stages, kind of like, I was like a hitman. So if they needed help, they had pressure on 30 day, I was there. If they needed 60 day, I was there. 90, 120, charge yeah. off. Wherever it was, they would just put me. Wow, so those who are listening, you hear this, if you don't come from collections background, um, I do, so I get mm-hmm. it. So 30, 60, 90, 120 is when the accounts are delinquent, mm-hmm. right? So you were able to navigate through people that once you get charged off, it's like, quote unquote, impossible mm-hmm. to get the money back. So they had you just floating around to collect money for those time periods. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's like Wherever, different you know, customs every time. the biggest deficit. Wow. Yeah. So what year is that? That was like, in, uh, I worked there for almost like seven years, eight, seven, eight years. So I started there. Oh, I can't remember what year. I got to do it based upon my kids. So okay. I started there when my <laughs> daughter was like, I want to say she was like, three, four, mm-hmm. um, and I left there when I was going on my third child, so I was pregnant with her when I got fired. Okay. And she is now, she's actually now eight. Yeah. So eight years ago. Yeah. So just for the context, is 2011-ish? It was before 2011, because she was born in 2011, so eight years 2010? So I started there, she's born in 2011, 10, 9, 8, 7... I started there in like 2005. And that's the last job you had? Yep. Correct? Corporate job. All right. Last well, corporate job you had? Yeah, right? like for the man. 2007. <laughs> right. All right. So. Yeah, like 2000. Yep. I left there in 2010. I got oh. hired. So, I'm one of the people where 
I wanted to go somewhere else, but since we're here now, mm-hmm. so what happened? How did you get fired? Or Okay, so what happened was when I worked here, and then of course, like I said, I got pregnant with my third child. So when I got pregnant with my third child and my husband, he was in college, he went to Clark. So he was graduating from school. And the crazy thing about it is even though I worked there and like I was doing really well with my incentives and stuff like that, like. I, my goal in life was to be a housewife. Like I wanted to be taken care of. Like I just wanted to be able to take my kids to the park, you know, just like have that life or whatever. Like that's what my ideal goal was. Um, so I kept on telling everybody that worked there. Like people joke with me that I'm so cool that worked there. I was like, I can't wait for my husband to graduate. I'm going to be a housewife, you know, this, this, and that. That was my ideal goal. So when he when he did graduate and he started, he actually left. As soon as he graduated, he got offered a company, I mean, a job at Bank of America. They recruited him. And I was like, I told my manager and my team, like, I have to come back on my hours. You know, I'm all happy. Like, I'm getting married. I'm coming back, <laughs> I'm coming back on my hours. You know, I can't because my schedule was very strange, str- stressful and strenuous. I work 8 to 12. I had to leave 8 to 12. Mind you, I'm a single mom with two kids. I had to leave 8 to 12, go get my kids, which is like you driving from here to like D.C. And then come back to work and work 5 to 9. So that was my job, my hours, like Monday through Friday. That's crazy. Like your whole day is gone. You don't have no time. And then the weekends, they want you to come in there because there's always something going on. And they want you to work 8 to 12. So that was like my life. And I've missed so much of my oldest two kids' life. I was just thinking that the other day. Like I missed so much of their youth. And I that used to make me cry in my cubicle. So I was like, when my husband, um, you know, get hired, like I'm leaving. So my manager at that time was a young African-American woman. And she didn't have any kids. She didn't have a man. So corporate, she was hating on you. yeah, corporate America was her life, and she felt like she was like she thought she was better than everybody. And she's yeah started hating on me. So what happens was you can you can flex your schedule. So I would work more nights, or honestly, I would do figure out have my mom pick up the kids because that's a lot of driving back and forth. And I would stay there and work so much so that I didn't have to work on the weekends. So when she started seeing me like doing all the stuff in my wedding and everything, she started putting like these you know how they tie these stuff against you. So I had got like a notice that like a second notice and then like I, an occurrence. Yeah. yeah. So I missed one Saturday of work and they called me in the back office and it was like, you already have two occurrences now and now you missed this Saturday. We need to talk about what we want to do. But at that point I was fed up. So I wasn't really being, you know, in agreement with what they were saying to me. And um, she slammed the door so hard that like the whole like little office shook. And I was like, I told my mom, I was like, I wish I had stuck my hand in the door. Like <laughs> the way she slammed that door, like I was like, I would have got some money. But um, she was just so angry with me because I didn't want to work the hour. So after that meeting, I knew everything was really tight. And then next thing you know, I came back from like a break and they called me in the office and they was just like, we're going to have to let you go. And you know all of that you got to sign papers and i signed the papers really fast basically i was fired and they like was making this big spectacle of it but in the inside honestly i was so happy like i i didn't know what to do so i was trying to make myself cry because we just got married so i was like i just want to go home and cry like have this dramatic scene to my husband like how i got fired so i was trying to roll my windows down and cry on the way home <laughs> but as soon as he seen me like out he was like you got fired didn't you and i was like yeah he was just like all right because i was so stressed out there so then i just went and got my unemployment um my unemployment was basically my salary without my incentive so i was like oh this is lit 
So I used unemployment until literally I got a, a letter from Obama's office saying that Mrs. Chance. You got to pay it back? No, they didn't say oh. I had to pay it back. They was like, you cannot get any more extensions. It was like two years at that point. So I was like, dang, like, what am I going to do? And Are you getting um, the max? Hmm? You're getting a max? Yeah, I was getting All a max. All the max is chills. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting a max. <laughs> um, yeah. So he was like, Miss Chancey, you can't get unemployment no more. You know, we're going to give it to you for three more months. And that's it. So I remember I was just like, dang, like, that's when it hit me. Like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I doing my life? And then I was like, God, you said that if I tithe, and my pastor keeps saying I'm supposed to have more than one strings of income. Um, you know, so I just kept praying and praying. And, you know, the idea came to me about selling hair, but I was feeling like, who's going to support me? Like, I'm not popular. Like, I'm not an influencer. Like, who's going to buy from me? And my mom and my husband gave me, you know, $300. And I started the company. And I'm a perfectionist, and I do work very well under pressure. Because as you can see, when I was fired, because I had that comfort there, um, you know, I wasn't really looking what I'm going to do. Also, with the bank I was working at, even though I was miserable and happy because it was comfort, I wasn't like, oh, I need to quit and venture off. So I had to be pushed. So God had to push me. And it's crazy because I was just telling somebody yesterday that when I was in my cubicle crying, I would write down, like, again, my ideal job. If I could find another job, I just wanted to do eight to five, you know, weekend salary. But it just amazed me how God supersedes what we ask him because he gave me, you know, freedom um, with, with more than a salary. So, yeah, that's what happened. And then, you know, I started Dare to Have Hair. So, did you start Dare to Have Hair while I, on unemployment or after the unemployment? Un after unemployment. I didn't have no money. So, you were unemployed <laughs> for two years. Mm -hmm. Your husband, your mom, gave you $300 each or total? It's total. Total. Mm -hmm. That's in the book, right? Mm -hmm. $300. What's the, we're saying, you know, we say $300 or six figures or seven figures? What's the... So they gave me $300 to start it. I ordered my first samples of product. Um, and at that time, I was getting my hair done at somebody's house in their house. So I, instead of me, um, I was going to use it on myself, but the person liked it, the quality of it. So I sold that hair to her. So I ended up flipping that first 300 you know with a sale and then she liked it and then she started telling her clients about it so then they started ordering for me and when I first started order people started ordering for me it kind of was like a pre-situation but I started noticing fast that you know people wanted the product so I would kind of bump up my inventory and I started noticing traits like days that it would be popping and slow so I knew that by Thursday I needed to have hair on stock because I knew somebody was going to be calling me for bundles and that was just like, the expectation that I had set at that time I didn't have a website I had um, someone that was working on a website um, so that was in a play but I was just driving at that point locally out of state you know in the tri-state area just selling the hair and then by the end of that year me not even noticing what was going on because it was just like moving so fast it was stressful but it was like, you know, it was like a different type of stress that I have now in entrepreneurship. It's like levels. But um, it was just moving. So by the end of the year when I did my taxes, they was like, you made um, almost 380000 I was like, that's crazy. So they was like, it's time for you to get an accountant. So at that time, I was the self-proprietor. They was like, you need to be incorporated or you need to get an LLC. So it was better for me to get a corporation. So every now and then, I try to touch on jewels, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
you bought hair for yourself, mm-hmm. and the girl liked it. You was like, forget doing my hair, you can have it, just buy mm-hmm. it from me. Mm-hmm. So what happened at that? Did you get like a regular hairstyle with your, your natural hair? Like, what are you? Um, I just pushed my appointment back. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I just pushed my appointment back, and I sold her the hair, and then I got my hair done. And then by that time, I also had a couple more orders. Like, the next time, um, it was, like, time for me to get my hair done. Um, so, it kind of moved fast. And I remember when I started, like, even to this day, people were like, how did you come up with the name Dare to Have Hair? And I honestly, I prayed about it. I seen that it was, like, a few power companies back then. And I really didn't want anything different. Um, so, I prayed. And for some reason, Dare to Have Hair popped in my mind. I remember everybody was like, Lima, luscious this or long this or that. And I was like, no, I'm going to do Dare to Have Hair. And I remember other people saying, like, no, that's stupid. But I was like, no, I'm going to do Dare to Have Hair. And I even remember when I first started, um, my um, my brother, he was like, girl, you crazy. You better go back and get another corporate job. Like, this, you trying to be an entrepreneur out here. You need to go back and get a corporate job. But, you know, I just kept at it. And it was working because, like, every time I had a bill to pay, I had money in hand because the product was moving like that. So once I started seeing that it was getting strenuous, like, when me driving, like, different places and doing stuff then a website came into play mind you i had my website for about a month before i released it to the public because i was a perfectionist and i also always was worried like is this going to be good enough like who's going to like click on my website like who's going to buy from my website so i kept going back and forth with the engineer and he released it without telling me and i remember i woke up to like three orders and i was like instead of me looking at the fact that i made like a thousand dollars i was like why did you do that why did you release the order and i was like yelling at i mean release the website i was yelling at him and he was just like you know god has a way of putting people in my life that are the opposite for me so we kind of work together so he was just like hmm, it's up now <laughs> and then you know that kept going and then i just built off of my website so Two years later, you started unemployment. You started Dad to Have Hair. Mm-hmm. So is that 2013 that you're like selling hair to hairstyles and clients? Nope. I started losing like soon as I think you sent me that letter. <laughs> <laughs> so I started there to have hair like in 2011. Okay, so 2011. Mm-hmm. And when did the website launch? I would say the website launched like in 2012. Okay, so 2012. So seven years so far online. Mm-hmm. Right. So earlier you mentioned that there's different levels as entrepreneurial distress. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say is the biggest challenge you faced thus far, um, as it pertains to the online, mm-hmm. um, as it pertains to a physical location as well? Um, it's definitely two stressors. Like my physical location is a hair salon, as well as people can buy hair. Um, I I work very much good. I work good alone. Like, yeah, and, and I can see that they've been, because I feel like the, the type of person that you are, um, it just follows you, whatever you're going to do in life. Because even they notice that at Bank of America, you notice if you work in the collections, you usually have a team, right? I was my own assassin, so I work well alone. Um, and with having a hair salon, I, that was something that God, like, challenged me with, because now I have to deal with other personalities. I'm used to just marching to my own beat and just getting, excuse my friend, shit done. Because, you know, I'm just that type of person, like, I'm going to get it done. But when you have a hair salon or you have a team now, you have to deal with different personalities and other people's expectations and, you know, different things that they have going on. So that was like, you know, a challenge and a stressor because you're, you're dealing with other people trying to make something go. And you can't just be like, you know, I'll do this. Like, I'll do that because I'm used to like, I'll do it. 
I do it. Like, you was like the doorbell ring. You see me about to open it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm used to just, like, you know, getting stuff done. Um, but I had to learn to be patient. I had to learn how to, you know, deal and talk with people as far as, you know, having, like, a brick and mortar. Then as far as the online, um, I would just say the online really wasn't stress to me. It became stress when it becomes overwhelming with, like, the order load. And then, you know, I had to hire people and things like that and sometimes um you know just dealing with customers and like the fluctuation of things i remember in 2015 i was pregnant my brother got murdered and people don't realize that when you're an entrepreneur you don't really have vacation you know sick time grievance time and all that type of stuff that comes with a corporate job so in the midst of that happened and it happened in february you know that's tax season um so um that was hard for me and at that time my staff that i i didn't have a staff like i had now i had one person and she was helping me from new york so i would have to answer the phones and while i'm answering the phone you know i'm muting it and crying while i'm talking to people you know they yelling like i pay for a spread shipping i need to hurry up and have my order you know sometimes people don't understand that business days doesn't include the weekend so you know dealing with all of that and trying to process that also trying to process the fact that you know my brother died and you know this company is growing fast as i don't know what you know that was very overwhelming to me um that was like a, that was a different stress for me um then also with me having my baby i didn't know you know how to deal with that and a baby i'm literally on the table having contractions and i have my laptop open answering emails you know, and my uh, manager at that time, like, you need to put the thing down. And the doctor, like, you want to you wanna have a baby or you going to work on the email? <laughs> so, um, but I just didn't know how to stop because the business was growing so fast. I had to do what I had to do to keep up with it. So while I was crazy to other people, it was normal to me. Um, so I had to learn to take time out for myself, learn to have, you know, so like they say, self-care and things like that. So that became a stress. And then just with the growth of it. Um, it's, it's stressful because it's growing at a pace that you and it's growing into territory that you've never been in before. And then, you know, from my family background, that's you know, there's not a lot of entrepreneurs. So it's like, who do you go to for advice? You know, and I'm not like one of them people that are always like out in the scene network. I'm kind of like to myself. Like I said, I get stuff done. So I had to force myself now to you know socialize and network. And you know, do things like this and convey with people like, hey, are you having this issue? Are you having that issue? Because I'm more of a watcher and a seer and a doer and it gets stuff done. So, you started before the social media boom, I would say? I started so. right when the social media happened. I think Instagram launched in like 2012 and that's when I started. I had like 200 followers and it was a personal page and then I just updated it to Dare to Have Here and then. You know, I would casually, you know, put up pictures and things like that and it gained interest and then people were buying. Um, I always tell people that it's different levels of support in business. Because sometimes when you first start out, you know, you're going to get all the support from the people that know you, like locally. They might have went to school with you. It might be family and friends. You know, then that grows. They go back and tell people. And then you go, you get support maybe from your hometown or things like that. And again, with me not being one of them people that's like, you know, out there, I didn't go to college. You know, I got a, I dropped out of school. I got a GED. So I was never like, you know, a social person. But 
from the outside looking in, other people come up to me like, oh, but you were popular in school. You were pretty in school. You know, you was this, you was that. I'm like, really? Like, I looked at myself like a loner. But those type of people support you. And then local people support you. And then as you grow, sometimes people be like, oh, well, she's getting too big. I don't know if I want to support her no more. But it's other people now supporting you. So now I had, I started out and then I was getting support from like local people, tri-state area. Then I grew and now I'm shipping to like Hawaii um baltimore dc you know texas so those people are supporting me and then you grow more and then you're shipping now out of state out of country and things like that but you notice that like okay well these people fall off and they're not supporting me no more but you're getting a different group of support like support it has different levels sometimes people only support you when you're small but they don't want to support you as you grow but i had to learn that you can't get stuck on that you just have to keep going because there's always going to be a next level of support you can't get you can't worry about like if someone's supporting you and not supporting you no more. If you take your time to focus on that, you're gonna be missing what's going on right now. Cause they always gonna double back. And you just can't get caught up in support. You just have to really just support yourself and keep going. Cause if you concentrate so much on the support, you won't you won't forget about the purpose, the mission, and the ground that you lead and the work that you have to do because you're so much worried about who's gonna support you. If you keep doing what you're doing, support's gonna come. So how would you say social media, right, from mm -hmm. those times with a lot different, 200 followers, to you have 200 plus thousand followers now, mm -hmm. right? Um, but even social media has changed from the time you first started your business. Mm -hmm. um, I know before you can hashtag and post pictures, now you can literally run ads and boost posts, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you say social media has impacted your business? Um, I would say... It affected it in a good way and in a bad way because when they first started it wasn't as many algorithms so you know your post would just be seen chronologically you know when you post and people would see it like it click it whatever um, but now because Facebook wants to make money off of it it's kind of different especially if they know your business um, so the best thing you have to do is try to get engagement so it's kind of like a good and a bad thing. Like now you got tools where you can put something up and you can just have people just shop directly from your picture versus before you could just put it up and now see it. Um, so it's like good things and bad there now with social media. But I learned early on, I would say back in 2012 when Instagram had like a, you know, one of its first crashes um, and it was down for like 12 hours. You know, from that day forward, I was like, I got to do marketing outside of Instagram. And, and that's how I moved. And I also was always a big online shopper. So I'm like, if, you know, ASOS offer this or, you know, this company offer this, how can I incorporate that with my business? I think people will be too afraid to incorporate other methods. They see other people doing that work from like bigger corporations and companies because they feel like I'm not there yet. But when will you ever be there? So if they're offering something that's making things more efficient and you know more smoothly for our customers, I would try to some type of way include that in with my business. So we go from unemployment, mm -hmm. selling hair to the hairstyles being area to locally to mm -hmm. online to shipping hair to different states out the country, right? Mm -hmm. So when did the book come into play? Um, what was that process like, and what led to the book? I think the book came to play because everything changes. And before, like I said, I was just behind the scenes just selling product. But I kind of wasn't because I was like my first like, you know, influencer, even though I didn't want to be an influencer, somebody had to wear the product. So, you know, with me putting up videos by myself, you know, showing my hair, you know, just walking around with my hair done. 
um, I kind of came the face of my own brand. Um, as my brand grew, more people kind of wanted to get to know who the person is behind a brand. So I had like a personal page and I started growing a following on my personal page and people wanted to know more about me personally. And I'm like, well, we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they wanted to know more about, you know, how did this stuff develop? Like, how did you become the way that you are? Like, how did you become carefree? How did you not worry about this and that? So I was just like, I'll just write a book. Because I really do believe, like, you are who you are. Like, how you are growing up, that plays into effect of how you're going to be in your relationships and how you're going to, you know, run your business. You have to take the good and make it better and a bad and try to, you know, get rid of it. So, how, how long has the book been out? I want to say now a year. A year now, mm -hmm. right? And you're also building a distribution center or facility? Mm -hmm. It's actually done. They just let me know that we can start moving in. All right. So, mm -hmm. explain that to me. So, is it... Is it distribution? Is it a warehouse? It's like a warehouse. It's also like an office. It's more like the incorporation. So it's like a warehouse, okay. office, and you know a lot of other different stuff. Oh, and this is in addition to the hair salon as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. So just going backwards, um, what would you say to yourself, right? The you now versus the you then that was crying in her cubicle. What would you say if you could change anything um, what would you change and what would you say tell yourself? Um, I would say to myself back then, um, you know, better days are coming. Like, keep doing what you're doing because things are going to change. And I think that was one of my things that made me cry because I knew there was something else. I just couldn't put my finger on it. Um, so I would just say to myself to just be patient, be patient and enjoy where you are now because the best is yet to come. Because I learned even with the process of right now, sometimes we're so anxious to get to the next step or the next big thing or to have something change. We forget to enjoy where we're at right now. But even though I was not happy with where I was at, I was still blessed. Like I had, you know, a salary. I was getting a huge incentive. You know, I wasn't getting an employee of the month where I was invited to banquets and things like that. Um, and I learned a lot from working there. And I think I could have had learned more if I wasn't so hard on myself and I didn't enjoy the process. Um, so I would just say to myself to enjoy the process and get everything that you can at that time. Because, you know, the best is yet to come. And I think, you know, that's what I tell myself now because you know that something better is coming. You know there's another level. But sometimes we focus so much with getting to that next level. We focus so much on becoming a better version of ourselves. We forget to appreciate where we are now. Mm -hmm. So if a person has just decided who, you know, wanted to get into the beauty industry or the hair business, just starting out, um, what would you tell them? Um... I would tell them that you have to have tough skin. Um, you cannot be lazy. Um, you know, you have to be able to not compare yourself to other people. You can't be to a point that you're so competitive that you don't want to connect with people. Um, I feel like when I first started, I was just like this little happy little kid, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, you want to do it? I help you. Oh, you want to do this? You know, because I'm the type of person, I'm an encourager. So, like, it's like, oh, you you can do this too. Or, like, you know, you want to 
do you want to um, not be behind a chair? You want to get your own salon? And then when I first started out, I was constantly like that. I kept so many people were like, you know, drawn to me and I was working with them, but they would like backstab me or some stuff would happen because they would see me growing. Here I am, just happy little person, just going along, just growing, not thinking nothing. But to them, you know, they feel in some type of way because they might feel stagnant, but you can't blame you being stagnant on somebody else that's advancing because you you so busy focused on them that you're not seeing what you can do to advance and that happens a lot so by the time like the fifth or sixth time but that happened to me i started to get like you know like resentful and really close in especially like when my brother died and me not even noticing but every time that did happen to me, it was like I would advance to another level. For instance, um, I remember I was working with this hairstylist, you know, I'm like trying to get them to advance, you know, I'm pushing them. You know, when I first started out, I had I had recommendations of hairstylists on my page and they didn't even know they was there, but they was getting calls and customers. That was just me out of the goodness of my heart. Yeah. And um, I was working with one and it was like, you know, I was like, you know, sending them everybody, you know, because when somebody buy hair, they want to know where they can get their hair done. So um, I don't know what happened, but instead of them coming to me, they like they like try to like back cross me. And then he just like stopped answering all my calls and like wouldn't talk to me anymore. And I was like, what the hell was going on? Like I felt some type of way like we were supposed to do an event together. And they kind of just like fell back and like started treating me crazy. And then I seen on Instagram, they was like starting their own hair company. And I'm like, that's fine. But why didn't you just have a conversation with me or like see how I can help you instead of you just, you know, going about it the shady way. And then now you're not answering any of my phone calls like that's weird and like I was hurt by it because if I do something I do it with my heart yeah. so I remember I was hurt by it and I was like upset and I was just like laying in my bed tired because it's like the third time this happened to me right so I'm like telling my husband like I'm done with this like I don't want to deal with people anymore and right while I'm going through this like phase of self-pity and I'm all upset with my head under my pillow all sad black china shouted me out and I literally was at 15,000 followers and I would refresh and I was at like 25,000. I was like, this is not real. I would refresh again. So by the time like the end of the night, I was at like 50,000. And like my friends was calling me like, yo, this shit is crazy. Like, <laughs> they're like, are you seeing this? I'm like, yo, my phone was going crazy right now. And in the midst of that, I had made like $6,000 like that first day that I ended up developing a relationship with her where I ended up doing an event with her and, um, you know, whatever. Even to this day, you know, I have a personal phone number. You know, she's like a really cool down earth person. But in the midst of me being, you know, self-pity and wilding over this little thing that's happening to me, you know, God has something better set up for me. But instead of me looking at it, like sometimes everybody's not going to go with you to the next level. It's kind of like, you know, with Abraham, as much as you want to bring people into the promised land with you, that's just not what God has for you because he knows the attention of the heart. Everybody's heart isn't pure. So... Um, at that time, I didn't take the lesson that I like the wisdom that I have now. But at that time, I started kind of getting resentful, and I was just like, you know what? I don't really want to connect or work with people anymore. This, this is for the birds. Like, I'm just gonna keep going and doing what I was doing. But I noticed after time, I was developing layers on me like an onion. So I noticed I had to start doing some self-reflection and some peeling back, and like, you know, I can't allow this one person to stop me from helping or connecting with somebody else. Um, but yeah, that was something that I learned, you know, along the way. So I'm going to kind of like end it on that note. Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of like, 
especially on the Abraham thing, this mm-hmm. can really get deep. So I think that's a good ending point. Mm-hmm. Um, we check and see if they have any questions on Instagram or um, if anyone in the audience had any questions. You have a question? Yes. Do you ever feel like at some point, because you've been doing this for so long, you would have to reinvent yourself? I re- I reinvent myself all the time. Um, I'm in a process now. I think you should always reinvent yourself. You have to. Um, I'm in a process of reinventing myself right now. Like, um, I today was the first day I posted on my business page within like a week. But before I did kind of like take that time to reinvent myself, reinvent the people around me because we're about to make a big move into, you know, into the warehouse, into the corporate arena and I want things to be different. Um, I made sure that I put something up that's going to still keep engagement on your pay- on my page. So I made sure I had things in order. So I had a post up that was driving a lot of engagement, but I took some time off to just do some like reinventing and some different things because now we're moving to a new facility. I want marketing and everything to be cohesive with that. I think you should always reinvent yourself as much as possible. You never want to stay the same. <laughs> No questions? All right, cool. Um, is there any questions on the live? Somebody did say if you were hiring that they would love to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no questions. Somebody said that they love your hair. Oh, thank you. You said something, and she said, "Won't we do it?" <laughs> Great. Um, so, I would tell you this. Um, I kind of did some research, did some reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but hearing your story today is kind of like why we try to do this, because people see hair and see the high price items and just see the different things, but they don't know the story behind the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I've learned over the time is that everyone's story is completely different. You know, here we are, single mother, um, raising children, trying to start a business, but the fact that you were on unemployment at the same time as a different narrative or perspective to that story, to that journey, and just being able to follow you today on your timeline and see how things grow. But in the, to me, the most fascinating part is you could install the hair and you end up just selling it. I think that's amazing. Yeah. It, it kind of shows like the hustler spirit in, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. Um, but to, to see it today, I, you kind of like paint a picture and to see like I can see the timeline of the journey of how you started to where you are now to where you're headed. Yeah, that definitely was a struggle. Yeah. I remember like my first year, my car got repossessed because I had a different way of thinking. Like when I first started making money, instead of me like, you know, I would pay my bills, but I would pay them like just where I need to pay him or if I felt like it wasn't that important, but I kept putting money back in my business. So my biggest goal for me was to have inventory. So if you have a business, you know, inventory costs money. So I would pull money from my home to make sure I had inventory. So I remember my first year, because even with me being on unemployment, like that's a different type of, you know, pay when you're used to, you know, having like, you know, incentive money or, you know, just extra money period. And honestly, some, you know, when you have a whole family and you paying for daycare and stuff like that, like 
that stuff cuts in. I had to take my kids out of daycare. So my first year, I remember that but even when my car finally got caught up, it still was at that point. It was like, nigga, you was behind for like a year now. We tired of your shit. <laughs> so like, I remember, I was like, they came and um, they, I seen the, the, um, the thing outside and I woke my husband. I was like, oh my God, they're taking my car. And he was like, they you just pay? I was like, yes, I did pay. I want my money back. <laughs> and they was like in the back, like taking my car and they knocked on the door. They was like, you have to give me my keys. I was like, I'm not giving my keys. And my husband is totally different from me. He like so calm and understanding. He like Deshaun. You have to give me keys. I'm like, if they want my car, then they're going to have to take my car. I'm not helping them. I'm like, I'm not giving them my keys. So like, man, this is going to be extra $75. I was like, well, I'm not paying that. And I'm not giving them my keys. So however you get it, you better get it. So they end up taking it or whatever. And the crazy thing was, is the day, the next day I went to the dealership and a guy who sold me that car, he's like, well, it's not on your credit yet. And you did already pay it. You're, um, you know, you paid it. He said, so I can do something for you. I can just go ahead and do it like a trade and just put you in a new car. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, because it's not affecting your credit and you did make your last payment. So that was God. I got a question. Mm -hmm. Was he black? Yeah, of course. Man, I love our people, man. Yeah. yeah so, you know, that was God. It was crazy because I upgraded oh, from man. a Honda that day and I ended up rolling out the thing with Alexis. And I was just like. Yo, love our people. <laughs> so, so, even though they repossessed it, it ended up still rolling into the other car. So, it didn't go report on my credit like a repossession. So, I made, a, I made out okay. And it just let me know again, like, when one door closes, God has something else for you. But, yeah, when I started, I struggled because I was in, like, my son wasn't getting no jewelry or nothing. I was just getting them bundles because I wanted to make sure I had inventory. And I think a lot of people miss that. As soon as they start making money, they want to flex and, you know, splurge. I just wanted to make sure because I don't, even though I can, you know, I can be like out front and forward. I don't want nobody complaining to me or I don't want some. I don't want to have to tell somebody no. So I always wanted to make sure that I had something in stock to sell somebody. And if they came to me with something, I, they was going to walk away with body leave. They wanted straight, but they was going to leave a body wig. That's what I had. <laughs> and, you know, and that's how I was in collections. Like, you was going to pay this bill. Tell this like. They asked, are there any business things that you won't do again? Maybe, I guess, like any business, like marketing tactics or something like that. Something that you learned over the years that you tried maybe in the beginning that you wouldn't do now. Yeah. Um. I remember I used to, um, uh, there are so many different things I wouldn't do. Like, um, I, I wouldn't do nothing off of a handshake. It has to be some type of paper and stuff involved. And I think sometimes we as African-American people, we be like feeling like, oh, I don't want to go through all that. Or, you know, I know you, or I know your aunt, or are you black too? I'm black too. You got me, I got you. And that's just not how it works. Um, People have contracts for reasons. So if I'm doing some type of, you know, business situation, there has to be a contract. Somebody has to be held accountable. So I don't just do things off of a handshake unless it's a situation where I'm doing it out of the pureness of my heart and I'm not expecting anything in return. So I definitely adapted to that. Also, I took a reflection, like when I was, I always do self-evaluation. When I was going through the whole thing, I was like, I don't want to work with anybody. Um, and I really still feel this way, but I took a reflection about when I worked in corporate America with how, because I was like, I meant so much to them. I got access to things that other people want to afford and get access. And I knew that my boss's boss, because I started out with MBNA. Um, 
they would meet every year with JP Morgan Chase and just other banks. And then bankers come together to figure out ways of not how they can just make their banking better, but the whole banking thing. And I wonder why the beauty world isn't like that. Because the same customer that's doing chargebacks on me, that's getting on my nerves, doing chargebacks on y'all, getting on y'all nerves. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why it's so much of a separation where like we're so much of against each other. I guarantee if we all came together, we would make it better. Like we can create some type of form or something to make our businesses thrive together because, you know, other nationalities do it and other businesses do it. That's why they have, you know, big things every year where carpenters get together and they have things every year where banking gets together and then other places get together and them big bosses, they sit together. But um, that's why I realized that I'm different from a lot of people because I don't do business as a woman. Mentally, I do business as a man because when guys go in the barbershop, they could have smashed a girl, you know, they could have did whatever. But when they go in the barbershop, they, you know, they'll still dap up or they might give you a nod and keep it moving. You know what I mean? If they're going to get you, they're going to get you. But it's still a level of respect. Um, especially not dealing with it. And I noticed that with corporate America, Bob was having sex with Mark wife because Mark was telling me, but they still shook hands and they still went to lunch and they still made money. You know what I mean? Because there's a time and a place oh, for Mark. personal stuff. You know what it is, but it's a time and place for personal stuff and there's a time and place for business. And you have to learn to separate the two. And I had to learn to separate personal from business because your personal issue with my product or whatever I have going on, instead of me taking personal how can I fix this because it's not personal and we have to learn how to do that and if we put all that aside and came together as unity then we could really like really kill the game more than what we're doing you know mm -hmm. not like that fake stuff like new car new this new that like to me that's not money like I'd rather see the money in my account than me just going out and getting a Lambo if everyone came together mm -hmm. You can take back the industry from the Koreans or... Yeah, America. and that was mainly one of the main reasons yeah, why I wanted to open up my own factory. Because instead of me also knowing, like, how, you know, fast I can get my stuff, I'm very... I'm always asking questions because I want to do it. And you had a question? Yeah, I did. Okay, so I know you said I probably missed it or I fell off or whatever. But when you said that you ended up getting fired, you only had, you didn't have no money. Mm -hmm. um, you were a single mother at the time, right? I was just married. Just married, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a single mother. Mm -hmm. um, young, still building up. But, um, so I'm starting with House of Bundles Wholesale. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like in a financial bind. Like with the, you started off with just the $300. Like mm -hmm. how did you invest in yourself? I just, everything I made back, I put it back into the business, which was a sacrifice because I did fall behind on some of my bills, but then God gave me favor. Like the person that was my landlord, they were letting me pay as I go. I developed favor because I was communicative, communicating with the people around me. Um, some people didn't like it, you know. So with that 300, did you invest and start buying the bundles or like how'd you go about it? Yeah, so instead of what I made for profit, mm -hmm. everything that I made for profit was a business expense. I didn't separate and pay myself. Okay. Got it. Got it. Any other questions? Wow. Um, man, I'm still stuck on Mark and Bob. You <laughs> <laughs> read about that. Yeah. Mark and Bob was making money. <laughs> I'll tell you what's, um, what's funny about the beauty industry, but I've learned, especially mm -hmm. chargebacks, and you mentioned like coming together. There should be like a chargeback union. 
You know, like it should be. I, I don't think people understand um, the amount of fraud that goes into um, this particular industry mm-hmm. um, as a whole. Um, is not gonna say outrageous, but like people take so much advantage of the businesses, or even there's even merchant processors that don't even accept hair as payments, right? So it's mm-hmm. like we kind of hurt our own people in a sense because like. If you go to just the Korean place or just mm-hmm. the beauty supply store and buy some edge control, it's taken out refundable. It's like, okay, cool, not refundable. But if you order for a, a black-owned business online or in-store, it's, it's a different, we treat each other different, you mm-hmm. know? Especially, or even when the person, the guy, started his own hair company, instead of embracing you, kind of like, step way back. It's kind of like, I've, I've been here, I've done this before, but I don't, I don't know why as a community we do that. But it's, it's just funny how you just brought it to the forefront again because it's like everyone knows it, but no one says it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of uh, deep in a sense. Yeah. yeah. So, anybody have any questions? I have a question. Yes. Um, and I know you touched on it a little bit, but as just a business owner in general, I know you talked a little bit how, you know, you really just like to work by yourself and things like that. At what point, like, I feel like all of us kind of know when we need help, like when we feel like we're drowning, it's like, okay, I need somebody to help me. But at what point was it like, okay, now I'm comfortable in trusting someone else with my baby? Because your business is your baby. So I'm never like, comfortable. I'm just going to tell you that ISIS in the back, she's like, you don't trust nobody. Um, I just go about it a different way. I trust God. Um, and I never was comfortable. It's just that I had to. I remember people was asking me when I first started, like, I can help you. I can help you. I can help you. And I was like, no, I got it. No, I got it. And then I remember me doing my very first sale. And I got like 150 orders, and I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I was like, this is beyond me. <laughs> so I called up one of them people that said they would offer me, and I was like, hey, can you come help me today? And she was like, yeah, and she came to my house, and I had like all the invoices from my kitchen to my living room. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, this is the only way I can like process what's going on. And it's, it's funny because she was a more organized person. Like that's what she did. She worked in management with like apartment complexes. So she piled all that stuff together and she got to it and she, you know, and she did whatever. But I, I had no choice at that point you know but to trust her because i needed to get stuff done i had to do it you know so you know i rolled with it and so you know she ended up having to do something else and you know we went different ways it wasn't on bad terms but that's what it was but even now you know i have to trust people because i can't be here and still operate there and still do stuff on my own like i was killing myself doing that Mm -hmm. you have to work smarter and not harder and the only way that you can grow is if you can reproduce who you are and or you know copy what you are and put it in someone else so you have to trust somebody with something and that's just when you have to be able to just have contracts and just not, you know, like handshakes. And then I learned why well, I always was like this, even though before it was under the table. When you pay people, they treat you better. You know, they're going to take care of what you got because you're paying them. But when people be wanting you to do stuff for them and they don't want to pay you, then you can't trust that person. Because it's like in their mind, I'm not getting paid for this. So I'm going to do 
just a little bit, <laughs> you know, but when you pay somebody, you know, they're going to feel more appreciative. They're going to feel, you know, like this is something. So it's like, I'm going to take care of this now because I feel a part of it and I'm being paid for it. So my answer to that is that you're not always going to fully trust people, but you're going to have to get the gusto. I have a lawyer now. I have an accountant. I have things that I didn't think I was going to have that be driving me crazy, but I have that in place. Um, and, you know, I, I pay people. Sometimes I pay people if I'm not even going to pay myself. I'd rather pay you than pay myself because I know what I'm doing. I'm going, I'm going like Nipsey said, like, I'm just a marathon. I'm going for the long run, so I know long after I'm going to be good because I'm putting money back into my business to the point that it can produce stock. So I'd rather take care of you now because I know at the end I'm definitely going to be topped off. Well, I, are you originally from Delaware? No, I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm from Chester. Okay, so you're... You want to know what I said when I was driving up here? I was like, Baltimore is like the Chester to Philly. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, everybody's trying to count Chester out or whatever. They be like saying whatever. But, you know, Chester popping. But, you know, everybody's like, I'm going to D.C. And that's how they play. I'm going to Philly. But you got to go through Philly to get to D. I mean, to get to... Um, you got to go through Chester to get to Philly. <laughs> but, yeah. And like I said, that's how I want to have to drive here. She's like, you know, I live here. I'm like, well, I'm from the hood. I mean, it ain't my hood, but I'm from the hood. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so I think that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Are um, you the owner? That includes uh, episode five of A Hair Life. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Xavier Jackson. I'm just a personality. Okay.